the biggest sports stories of the week. So when I get my hair cut, they wax my ears, they wax my nose, okay, and they wax my eyebrows every time I get my hair cut. Okay. I literally have one eyebrow, and I've had people trip over my nose hairs. Okay. It's embarrassing yeah. when someone trips over your nose hair. Yeah, that's that's not, cool. not cool. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. Then he, he said, I don't want to be a bum. He doesn't want to be playing and not be good anymore. And I I think that is a legitimate concern for him. And I think this for year, for Rod. For the MVP yeah. of the NFL again this year? I think Aaron Rodgers should be in the uh, conversation as well for executive of the year. <laughs> Plus some fun with pop culture. Man, that might be is the round, the quarterfinals. That's the metal no, round. Not. No, Wait, can we, do we get Matt, get, call Matt Hamilton right now. Because we got to find out. This is Sunday Karma. Well, all I can tell you is I picked way better than you throughout this, Ben. So you got lucky that I have a life and I couldn't get my picks in a few times because I clearly picked way better than you. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City. The whole, uh, you know, Harper is the co-host. She hasn't been here in a year. She doesn't deserve that uh, love. She should get bumped. Here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. So were you getting a little teary-eyed here in those quarterbacks? Hearing your guy Favre, missing him? Uh, you know, I, I'm over Favre now. I mean, I love him. I still love him. I'm more mad at Rodgers right now, actually, Craig. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, I felt like you're like you're in like a not the same love affair with Aaron that you typically have had. So I was that's why I was wondering if you were more like kind of missing the days of Brett Favre for yourself. No, I, I think I've moved past the Brett Favre part. I'm more angry now, you know? I'm more mad. What's the I mean, what's the anger? I'm just upset. Like I watched the, the whole, you know, the, the match thing on Wednesday and you gave me a little bit of hope that you may have had some inside information like Aaron text you that Sammy Watkins was going to potentially be there. I didn't realize Amari Rogers may be there as well because he's missing as well. I thought you just gave me a little bit of hope, but so you're saying you expected them to be running some pass routes in the down I the fairways? You knew something I did not know. So it was to my disappointment when I did not see them at practice, nor did I see them at the match. So I was just disappointed. It was just very disappointing. Yeah. I mean I'm a ultimately like I love like team and teamwork and te- like so that that would have made me happy too, right? Like if if guys aren't gonna be at OTAs to be there. Now, again, the question is, are OTAs useless? And I don't I don't care enough. I don't know enough. But like to me, they they probably are for like your seven, eight year veterans in a system. But when you're in a new system um, with a new team or you're new to the NFL, you would think it's it's pretty valuable. Any practice time you can get any time around each other. And to me, when I think about it, like Think about, like, last year. You know, we could look at the block punt. We could look at the um, defense not making certain tackles on the last drive or whatever. But there's just, like, little plays that if they happened better in that 49ers game, the Packers win, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble. Like, you know, just uh, Aaron hits Aaron Jones in stride. Rather than not in stride, right? On that long bomb. Oh, he could be practicing right now. Instead, he's, you know, making clutch putts. But I'm saying that the interesting thing is the small margin 
a victory when it comes to almost anything, right? Like winning or losing, like how, how small the margin is. And that's where you kind that's where for me, it, it kind of like gets me a little bit like thinking that these guys, guys who maybe the margin of victory isn't about, you know, winning or losing a game. It's actually getting reps and getting playing time or actually making an NFL roster. That's the thing that's amazing to me that you don't see more, you know, participation. Because I don't think Aaron, like, Aaron doesn't need it to learn the offense. Aaron doesn't need it for any of those things. But you would think there'd be a benefit. And, and by the way, if it's, hey, Aaron is is such a bigger-than-life thing that it's actually better for Jordan Love to work with all the guys and all that, you know, I could maybe even buy that if there's also the 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 bonding or the whatever happening because what you don't want is guys to be intimidated by their quarterback right I mean that doesn't help no you you don't want that I do like the fact that you did Jordan Love being able to build confidence and feel like a QB one and build up the hype so he actually has trade value that's the one benefit of it although I don't know how well that worked last year right because well, Aaron was gone the whole time last year and it didn't seem like that really worked too well last year well he claims that uh, AJ Dillon has already hyped him up saying that he has a lot more confidence it seems like this off season so that's a positive. Well, we got to get some for this, man. Speaking of A.J. Dillon, um, what Brett Favre was actually getting me a little excited. You know, when he was talking about how if you have a running game, any wide receivers are good enough when you go to play action. I thought that was an interesting point that, that Brett Favre was making when we heard him with Wilde and Tausch uh, this week, and uh, we'll hear him all season long uh, on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, which you could get on the uh, Wisconsin On Demand app or uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts with Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. But, I mean, that was kind of interesting to hear, right? Like when it's like, hey, average receivers can get way open for big plays. And that's why I was always like, uh, for some reason, I always picture uh, Tyler Lockett, who is a great route runner. Great, great, great route runner. But I picture with Russell Wilson, some of the, like when they were at their best, they would have receivers, like beyond Tyler Lockett, I just for some reason picture him, who'd be running like 18 yards open for big plays, where Russell Wilson would throw those high arcing plays, right? When, especially when they had a big time, when Marshawn Lynch was at his best, and, and when you thought of them as a bruising running team. And that's what I, I, I was getting a little excited thinking about that, right? I mean, the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon combo should be getting better still, right? No, sh- uh, absolutely. If Aaron Jones is at like kind of at, uh, he's not getting probably not getting better, right? He's he maybe is who his, he is, right? He's who he is. But AJ Dillon still should be getting better as a running back. This is year three for AJ Dillon, where the first year you're introducing it, the second year you're like, okay, I'm in NFL. The third year for AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon is going to legitimate uh, be a legitimate threat at running back and a guy that who will feel like after he's done with this season that he can easily go to another team and be that guy. That's how good AJ Dillon Dillon's going to be this year. Yeah, and so and when you think about it, especially with how physical he is, that to me makes it uh, pretty interesting to think about what Brett Favre was saying about how all of a sudden if you have a running back and get five yards, you can pretty much uh, make average is what the word Brett Favre used. Average receivers you know, can have big, big-time plays. Now, I don't know if the Packers have average receivers or if it's below that, but, I mean, that, that definitely is good. So you're saying do. Randall Kopp's below average? 
I'm, you know I'm Mr. Randall. I love Randall Cobb. I, I love Randall. He was in Milwaukee this weekend as well. I love Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb is an average receiver. And then the key thing is the Packers keep trying to draft to improve their offensive line where they have competition across the offensive line. I think the Packers are going to have a really good offense this year and are going to be able to run the ball. Yeah, um, I, you know, since we love anytime there's anything live going on, I tell you, did you roll your eyes when I put no, the French Open I, on? No, I, I rolled my eyes because I said he's so good. Oh, he's, just, Nadal. he's like he's what is he 35, 36? Just it's gonna be like his twelfth title at the French Open. This is ridiculous. Rafael Nadal, who you know, who probably was just good on clay initially, right? Like before he became so dominant across every surface, is. Uh, in the finals of the French Open, and um, the, he is up uh, two sets to love. So he won 6-3, 6-3, and now has a uh, break point in the third set. Um, it's crazy. So he's playing a guy who he's 13 years older than. How many French Opens? He's won 13. 13! That's unreal! So this would be his 14th French Open title. And uh, right now he has a break to go up in the third set. And you assume if he wins this point right here, he, uh, he likely will, uh, will roll to a straight set victory if he could go up a break early in this match. And he does right there. So Rafael Nadal up 6-3, against Casper Ruud. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce Casper Ruud's last name. Uh, I don't think you're going to correct me. No, he he has to earn the respect to be able to pronounce his last name by winning. Yeah. It ain't going to happen today. Yeah, well, uh, making the uh, making the Grand Slam finals pretty impressive, but he is up uh, he is up two zero in the third set. Nadal uh, likely to win. A lot of things to get to today, as it is an NBA Finals Sunday, where we'll uh, talk a little bit about the Celtics, who I told you last week we're going to not only win uh, the East, but I told you they were going to win the championship. Something changed along the way, though. Like, I never I, I never thought, like, when I said that last Sunday, I was like, oh, Celtics are going to win, and then I think they're going to still win the championship, even though they had lost Game 6 uh, at home to the Heat. I still had confidence that they could go on the road and win. However, the way they won Game 7 totally, totally changed my thoughts on this series. So we'll talk about that. A whole lot more to get to. I, I want to ask something about the Brewers. Did you end up getting out to a Brewers game? Was that last week or the week before you were going? I, I went to a Brewers game. I was uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, I want to uh, want to talk a little Brewers along the way. Lots to get to. Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. I talk to you, take my hand through the flames. I talk to you, I'm a slave to your It's Sunday Karma with Craig Carmenson on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. I'm trying to think of the symbolism. Just random song, or you got reason for this? Uh, just, you know, just a song. Okay, okay. Uh, so I was pretty confident the Celtics were going to beat the Heat going into the series. I was really confident when I saw Jimmy Butler's injury. Um, and then Tyler Hero's injury that the Celtics were going to beat the Heat. Did you hear how he got injured? The rumors? No. Hmm. How who? Tyler Hero? Yeah. 
something. Uh, I think I, I don't know if you're going to go a certain direction. Have you heard the rumors? I've seen his. No, I have not heard the rumors. Uh-huh. I have seen his significant others social media posts uh-huh, yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, that made it seem that he was not being uh, loyal. That was, I don't know if this, is this on the same topic? It is on the same topic. It is on the same topic. Those are the rumors. That, what, what, what that, that he was emotionally upset because he was not, or he was too tired from, from not being loyal? I don't know. What, what, or that she injured him, you're saying? He injured himself, they claim. And he, I, okay, I, I don't, I, we don't want to go there. Right? No, we ain't got to go. I'm just, I'm just, I'm I, saying, is it, are, is, is it somewhere we can't go or somewhere I mean, we can go? I, mean, I don't know. I where, you can go, but we don't have to go. It's 10 a.m. in the morning. I'm just saying, it just, there's some rumors out there that are hilarious. If it's true, I tell think, her here, tell her you need to be sat down. But and, no, I mean, that's silly, right? Like, if it's just rumors and, like, I understand that she, she posted things and those aren't rumors, right? She posted things about him, but I, I don't think we need to go there. So, Tyler Hero, you know, out for a few games and then ends up playing game seven. Jimmy Butler shows up in game six in a way that we've never seen, you know, him show up. You know, he he's he was so good in that in the bubble. He was so good. But I don't know that he's played a game ever like that game six. I, you know, because that is a game that, you know, maybe LeBron has played. Maybe Dwayne Wade has played, but you can't even say for sure. It was very similar to that LeBron game six game at Boston. So... Jimmy does that, and then he goes out and pretty much backs it up through the first three quarters of Game 7. The Celtics, though, pretty much pull away. And the reason I, I, for the first time, began to question if the Celtics could beat Golden State was, were you watching those final three minutes as the, uh, as the Celtics were closing out the Miami Heat? Oh, yeah. That is the only part of the Eastern Conference Finals that I watched for the final three minutes, actually. It was so compelling. It was so fascinating. And by the way, it was no Jimmy Butler scoring for the Heat. Jimmy Butler scored his last basket with five minutes to go in that game. The Heat go on whatever is the 13 nothing run to end that game. And the Celtics, it felt like game five of the Bucks series to me. Right? Remember in that? I mean, we all remember game five. It was the signature game this year for the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. As they erase a double-digit deficit, they end the game on an incredible run. Bobby Portis gets the offensive rebound. You know, just an incredible you know back-to-back threes from Drew Holiday and uh, and Giannis. Drew Holiday then gets the uh, the block shot and the save uh, to ice the game. Pat Connaughton hits the free throws uh, at the end. Sorry, I just need to remember good things from this postseason. <laughs> I really do. I mean, it's it, um. I'm not over this postseason still. Um, I, by the way, the difference in the devastation level of this postseason, as opposed to if the Bucks hadn't won the championship, you want to say it would be it's, it's the same, but it feels so much better, right? Oh, oh yeah, we we got the ship. I mean, if there was the accumulation of losing to the Raptors after being up to nothing, and then going and seeing them win the title. And then losing in the bubble to in the second round to the Miami Heat. I think a lot of people feel like it was the first round, but the Bucks did beat the Magic, right? And, and losing in the second round in the bubble. And then if the Bucks had lost last year, this this on the way they lost this year with Chris getting hurt on top of that. So it's still devastating. You still feel awful for Chris and for the whole team, but it feels better. So anyway, 
That's how that game ended, similar to the way the Celtics closed that. And that was the first time I was like, wait, I truly believe the Celtics are the better team than the Golden State Warriors. But when the moment gets that big, are the Celtics going to be able to handle it? And it's interesting to me that, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, it, well, that just happened on the road, right? Because the Bucks did that to them at home. So game one, you see the Celtics end up blowing out the Golden State Warriors in a game that they were getting blown out by you know, earlier. like I mean, that game was just about over, it seemed. And then the Celtics you know, got it a little close, and then they had played an incredible fourth quarter that was actually the same fourth quarter that they played against the Bucks in Game 4 when the Bucks were up two games to one and were at home and went into that fourth quarter, you know, I think up seven, maybe they'd been up 11 at the end of the third, something like that, and the Celtics just didn't miss in the fourth quarter. And they had another quarter like that. So now I went from, okay, the Celtics are definitely winning this series to, ooh, game seven. I don't know. The Celtics in a big moment to now it's like, okay, Steph Curry went out, went crazy. And here you saw the Celtics still win that game by double digits. So with Jason Tatum not having a big game. So with all that said and done, I think I'm back to, uh, I think I'm back on board with the Celtics. What did Draymond say? Didn't he say something like, "Oh, yeah. well, that, oh, well, yeah." So, so he looked, them guys. So what he he looked at he looked at it, and this is a very very fair point and great analysis uh, in the moment by Draymond Green. He looked at the box score uh, for the game, and he looked at three players. Okay, and these are guys that we know, right? Because the Bucks uh, Bucks played the Celtics, so we know what these guys are capable of. He looks at three guys. He looks at Al Horford. He looks at Marcus Smart. And he looks at Derek White. And they combined for 15 three-pointers on 23 attempts. 15 of 23 from those three guys. I mean, is it sustainable? Well, Jason Tatum went 3 of 17, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, does it... I think, is that sustainable? No, okay. no, it's, it's, it's not. But Jason that, right? Tatum's going to have another terrible game in this series. Exactly. It's like he had multiple terrible games and in the Bucks series. And they'll probably lose that. But he'll also have multiple explosive games, right? Like he had in the Bucks series, don't you think? Yeah, he or, won. He won. He won basically one game, right? Game six, he won that game. He won. He absolutely won game six. Um, now, now you may say, "Oh, well, he's not going to do that because they have they have Wiggins and they have Otto Porter, and and they can match up better with him." But I don't think that's true. I think Jason Tatum's at the level where he's going to go off on at least in at least two games. So, but going off into see, here's the thing. I just think that the Warriors have the talent in the fact that Steph Curry can go off and shoot multiple. Threes. Heck, Jordan Poole can go off for potentially thirty. They have guys that can go off for that shooting threes. Where I feel like the Bucks did not have somebody that can answer and return. You know, Giannis trying to dunk, uh, th- trading a three four two ain't gonna work. You know, right? Well, the the Bucks certainly couldn't do couldn't shoot threes with the Celtics. We saw that. The Golden State Warriors can absolutely shoot threes with the Celtics. The question is, when you look at both of those teams, which the Warriors were elite defensively, if you look at the numbers this year, you know, I, I, I lean toward, I lean toward the Celtics, and you know, what you know, what they, what their top level guys can do, and defensively, you know, when Robert Williams uh, gets switched on to Steph Curry, obviously it's not a great matchup, but. 
it's not a terrible matchup. Like Steph still had to work to like make 18 footers uh, on Robert Williams. I mean the the Celtics are are really really tough, talented, and you know switchable on defense. Now Al Horford, as we saw, isn't going to do that the whole series, but. He did that for some, somehow he just did it when they needed it against the Bucks. Didn't it feel that way? Like Al Horford, like we picture him like dominating in the Bucks series. And then he was terrible for some of that series, but it didn't matter. So in the Bucks series, Al Horford, game one, Bucks uh, lost, Bucks won, right? Al Horford didn't do much. Then all of a sudden they beat the Bucks and he had a double double in game two. And then in game four, he was 11 of 14. 11 of 14, 5 of 7 for three-point range and 30 points. That's what he just did, right? Instead, it was 6 of 8. But he pretty much single-handedly kept them in that game four. And that's when the Bucks. I mean, we keep thinking back to game six. But if the Bucks had won game four... And that game was Al Horford keeping them in. Keeping them in when the Bucks could have been up 20 early in that game. Instead of being up 10. Oh, all right. I, 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 I appreciate you bringing up these memories for me. I know. Well, part of why I want to bring it up is, I mean, I, I guess next week the Bucks will still be champions likely, right? I mean, it would have to, it would be. A- absolutely. They don't play until, the game five's on Monday the 13th, so absolutely. Right. Not. I'm saying you don't think it, because it could be a sweep, right? Ain't nobody sweeping. Be, right. Because the, the Warriors might be up 3-1 by the time Monday comes around. Right. Because it could be Sunday, Wednesday, Friday are the games, right? Today, Wednesday, Friday. So what I want to make sure we're doing is is uh, fully appreciating the last days of the Bucks being the NBA, you know, champions because the Bucks still are the champs. What's your if, if you think back to a moment, if I just say Bucks are champions, what moment do you think back to? Parade? Do you think back to game? Four? Oh, that's game, a, that's game a, five dunk. Do you think back to well, Giannis blocking Aiton? Do you think back to Giannis getting hurt? What a finals! Do you what think a back finals! To, like what? Like it just in that moment, if I say like, man, the Bucks are still champions. What's that moment? Uh, you know what? Hit hit, hit us up. Uh, the, that's uh, I, I know we got Wildy coming up, but if you got if you want to give a quick call or text on the uh, First Midwest Bank talking text line, First Midwest First Midwest Bank is a division of Old National Bank. It's 800-990-3776. 800-990-3776. When I say Bucks championships last year, Bucks were the NBA champions. What's that first like? Without even thinking. What's the moment that you associate? What's that thing? And by the way, it could be something with you and your friends or your brother. Like, man, I, I'll never forget hugging my brother when the Bucks won or whatever that might be. When you think back, because these are the times to savor these moments as the Bucks uh, are still the defending NBA uh, champions. What's that moment? Give us a call or shoot us a text. 800 990 ESPN, that is 800-990-3776. What is the first moment? Kyle, so what is it for you? The moment that came to my mind when you asked this question was when Drew Holiday stole that ball from Devin Booker and came down the court and lobbed it up to Giannis, and Giannis caught it for that value. That, that to me, it will 20 years from now, I'll watch that, and I'll still get butterflies in my stomach and get that feeling like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that was incredible because that was game five, and that was in Phoenix, and that, to me, set the Bucks up to become NBA champions. Well, and, and that, 
there's an NBA uh, Finals highlight video where they show that in like every language. Like they show that. I don't know if you've seen that in like ten different languages, and you can you can uh, you can catch it on some of the on demand stuff if you have the NBA app. You could even watch it back. But it's uh, that that moment's amazing. But there's so many different Shane Texan um, going to the Finals Game Three with my brother. Right, like you know, for someone who you've been like, if you're a Bucks fan, like, like to have the NBA Finals, it was the first time in your life, certainly, Kyle. Right, oh, mo- that, most definitely. I, I didn't know if I ever see this in my lifetime. And did you end up going? Did you go or did you sell all? No, those? I, I went to. I went. Me and my brother went to Game Four. We went to Game Six. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, that's that is that is pretty cool. But it's amazing that your biggest memory was Game Five because when I think about a moment from that series. It's there's no doubt in my mind it was it was that game five moment. Even even being at all the home games and seeing those right in front of you, watching that on TV, that game five, the the steal and the value dunk. All right, we'll talk more about that next hour. We will talk to Jason Wildy next segment. He got a chance to talk to a bunch of quarterbacks this week. Uh, we'll we'll get his uh, fresh thoughts on uh, some of that and more as we continue with Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Seems like I'm always chosen by romantics that are hopeless. We can make Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Craig. How are you today? Good, good. So I mentioned it. You were asking Brett Favre how fun was it to have a running game. Uh, in your interview with him this week, but he he took it to Aaron really quickly in terms of saying that you could have really average receivers, and if you have a good running game, you know you could have monster, you know, consistent big plays. I mean, that kind of got me excited for yeah. this year and this team and this offense in one in a different way than I'd thought about it before. Just and Kyle and I were just saying. A.J. Dillon should take another real big leap this year. And if Aaron Jones doesn't regress right at this age, I mean, this should be a really good running game with right. then the ability to do that, right? I mean, are we are we getting too worried about the quality of our receivers on this team based on what we, you heard Brett Favre say? No, not necessarily. Um, look, first of all, um, one of the benefits of doing this for as long as I have is I've reached a point now where I have that kind of institutional knowledge, right? Like I love my buddy, Matt Schneidman at the athletic, you know, his first season was 2019. So he doesn't, you know, he's 26 years old. He doesn't have, uh, memories of the 2003, 2004 teams when, not only was Amon Green running for 1,800 yards, but he was also leading the team in receptions. Um, there are ways with, in those instances, Bill Schrader being highly productive, uh, at least compared to other receivers on the roster, uh, to be productive offensively. And so, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily trying to besmirch Bill, even though he and I never really got along very well, but he was not. Devontae Adams. He was not Greg Jennings. He was not 
Jordy Nelson. And so it is possible, to your point, to be productive in the passing game if you have a robust run game and just sort of so-so receivers. The the challenge, though, is that when the the money's on the table, so to speak, how good can you be in the passing game when you really need it? And that's one of the things that it's great. If you play good defense and you run the football, you're going to be in a lot of games even if you don't have a great quarterback. And if you have a great quarterback, you're going to be in even more games. But as we saw in the AFC divisional round, right, when a Buffalo team that was predicated on defense as a terrific quarterback uh, and also ran the ball well, ran into another great quarterback where it's win or go home, and went what was it, five lead changes in the last two minutes? I mean – it's also possible that that'll happen to the Packers where, hey, this, this formula works to get them to win the division, to be in the playoffs again, maybe not have a number one seed, but in the playoffs again. But when the money is on the table, will Aaron Rodgers be able himself and will his weapons be good enough to get it done in, in crunch time? And that's... And, and are you basically saying, you're basically saying today's NFL... You can't, no matter how good your defense is, you can't count on it because that's what that Chiefs-Bills game showed because you feel like the Bills have that kind of defense and ultimately it doesn't matter once you get to that level. Right, and and let's be honest with the Packers, right? Like everyone has looked at that San Francisco game and talked about how well the defense played. But there is so little margin for error for defenses in this offensive-oriented league that you can't one mistake defensively is that it's like a, a left tackle who gives up three sacks and shuts the guy down on the other 72 snaps. No one cares. Right. And so in the Packers instance, yeah, we know they didn't give up a touchdown. It was Rogers. It was special teams, whatever. But I keep going back to this third and seven on what turns out to be the game winning drive when they kick the walk off field goal. If they stop Debo Samuel, they force a punt. And instead, Debo Samuel gets nine yards. He eludes both Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander coming back from injuries, and they go on to lose the game. And no one's saying that that defense played poorly that game, but when the money was on the table, the defense didn't get it done. And so you could be great all game, but that one play is enough, and the same with obviously the Bills. There okay, okay, but so now let's go. Let's take it to a different place because you're you're saying that one play wasn't enough. So now let's take it to the, and I'm going to bring this back to OTA attendance. Um, Aaron okay. Aaron Aaron Jones catches the long bomb from Aaron Rodgers. You know, you you talked about it at the time. It wasn't a perfectly thrown ball. The timing wasn't perfect on it. Um, right. That that play, the Mercedes Lewis fumble. Like, when you think about the margin of victory and defeat, the, the small difference, does that make you feel like even the veterans should be at OTAs? That any extra being in sync, being in time, you know, that the winning and losing, the margin is that little, that yeah. every little extra time. And by the way, I, I said to Kyle, even if it's not being at OTAs together, it's being together 
at someone's uh, celebrity golf tournament. You know, if, if receivers aren't going to be at OTAs, they should be at the golf tournament hanging with their quarterback. Like, it, do you do you think that I'm overrating, or is it, uh, or is that ridiculous? So maybe a little, but here's the thing. And Aaron Rodgers has talked about this. This is something that you know I don't think. Uh, unless he's coming on the show after he comes back uh, for training camp. I don't know how deeply we'll be able to dive into this in a press conference setting or if I'll talk to him one-on-one. But so many times, and again, this goes back to institutional knowledge, so many times over the years he has talked about these little conversations. Wait, 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 wait. Had. i got to stop you, Jason. Look at Kyle. Look at what this guy has in his hands. So, Jason, the French Open just ended. Rafael Nadal just uh, beat Casper Ruud uh, in straight sets. And you know how hard it is to get to the finals of the French Open? Like, you, every match is best of five. You know, so you have to win three sets. Do you know how grueling that sure. is in singles tennis? Yeah, great. Yeah. And so, do you, Kyle, explain what the, what the runner-up got, what uh, his it prize looks like is. A, it looks like a silver-serving platter plate. That's what it looks like. I, I thought it I, I, when I saw it, I couldn't even see anything, you know, inscribed on it. Yeah, J- Jason. So, like, the winner of the French Open gets obviously like this huge trophy and wins two million dollars, whatever. Second place gets like a serving tray. Yeah, but doesn't it doesn't Wimbledon give out something similar? Yes, to the winner? I give out they, the pl- they give out a big round circle looking plate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jay, I mean, I mean, these guys work. So, women work so hard. Can you get them a, a better runner-up trophy than a serving platter? <laughs> I mean, I, I would think there's some better idea of a gift you could get someone for coming in second place than a, a little I think serving platter. think it's cultural. Platter. Here in America, they get little trophies, but maybe it's a cultural thing, Craig. Respect the I mean, French culture. J- Jason, they like serving platters. I, I, I guarantee if Jason's daughter gets second place in her gymnastics competition, she gets better than what the French Open second place uh, gets on that. Uh, what did you get in all your tennis uh, victories or second Ooh, place? I actually got a up? second place. I actually got a second place once in a uh, in a tournament, and uh, okay. I, I did get a little trophy uh, for second place. They gave like so you're was, you're better off than the French Open runner up. It would seem, but it was ridiculous. I beat the winner, but it was double elimination. Uh, like the College World Series. Yeah, so I had, so he had beaten me earlier in the tournament. I came back, and we were down to the finals. I beat him in the finals, but because it was double elimination, and I had a loss already, he didn't have a loss. I had to play him again, and then he beat me uh, again. So he beat you two times. He beat yeah, him once. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. No, he deserves it. But yeah. I'm just saying it would have been my only, like, in my <laughs> life at any level, my only, like, individual championship, like, of any kind. Um, and but, I, I but both your losses were to him. Yes. No one else beat you in the tournament. Correct. Huh? Correct. Yeah. Nice. All right. So you you guys are fine with the serving tray. You're saying culturally. Yeah, I'm not bothered by it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I was. All right. Uh, back, I, I have no idea what we were talking about, but it, it was something uh, about margin of victory and defeat. And if Aaron well, Rodgers is back, uh, you'll you'll actually try to ask him in a press conference yeah. setting. I, I remember, uh, which doesn't always happen on Wilde and Tausch, uh, when Tausch chases after a squirrel figuratively. Um, it is. He has talked so many times over the years about these little conversations that he has with guys, and then when they end up cropping up as being useful in a game, and whether it's during practice at training camp, 
uh, multiple years prior or uh, during the off season. Cause again, historically he has attended the off season or when they're sitting in the lunchroom, having pancakes at breakfast, there are all kinds of times when he has these conversations that then he calls back to with a specific player. So that's so interesting, again, Jason. So then it's kind of interesting because, like, when he can flippantly say, "Like, yeah, I mean, come on, does it really matter from an OTAs?" Well, how much right. do those how much do those little conversations matter? Right. These are the kind. Of, and and again, this is um, I I I do like uh, when it comes to conversations with players or coaches to refer back to things they've said in the past because I think there's value in that and. This would be an instance where that would apply. Yeah, very interesting. We'll have more with Jason Wildey as we continue. Uh, Wildey and Tausch, 9 to noon. You can catch him at Jason J. Wildey on Twitter. Sunday Karma continues with more of Jason brought to us by Boucher Automotive on ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Yeah. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Continuing with Jason Wilde. So, Jason, for me, it was uh, it was Brett talking about that idea of uh, play-action passes making mediocre receivers or average receivers into huge uh, big play threats. Uh, a- any uh, big takeaway from you on uh, your time with Brett Favre this week? Yeah, I, you know, it, it's always great to have him because if given Tausch's history with him and mine, we we have different things to ask about as opposed to say Chewy with all of Chewy's history with him. By the way, I, um, thought, I, you, at- I thought you let that interception joke about his jersey I mean, the guy was a pretty much an MVP on the Vikings. I mean, come on. Like, that was a, I mean, that was a little harsh there. I was a little surprised that Jesse did that, given his uh, beloved uh, feelings about Brett. No, I think like, that's great. Because like, I think the, if, if Brett's going to be part of the ESPN Wisconsin team on a consistent basis, I think he probably would want that. You know, and I think that is what you'll get with Chewy, right, is someone who can, who can give it to Brett. You're, I didn't think it would come from uh, from Jesse uh, because Jesse Jesse has now gone from uh, awestruck childlike awe when he would call Brett in previous interviews to now feeling comfortable enough to take a shot at him about interceptions, uh, which is good. That's that's growth, but it was still it caught me by surprise. There was no uh, there was no advance warning. So I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Yeah. So, uh, so what? In in terms of uh, other things, Brett had to say. What what, what was your biggest takeaway? So for me, it, it was, and this was really interesting to me because I I was, again, going back to long time covering this guy, uh, dropping the name of Ken Croner, which I still have no idea why that name has stuck in my head, but he was the uh, fitness guru 
that Brett Favre would work out with every offseason instead of coming to most of the offseason program. And so I referenced it, and you know, I think that perked uh, Brett's ears a little bit because that's how I got into discussing his offseason approach versus Rogers' offseason approach and how historically Rogers would never miss this. And now, you know, I said you you did this late in your career where you didn't take part in a lot of the offseason, but you would come even if you weren't participating for a little bit longer than what Aaron is now. And, and he, uh, I thought su- somewhat surprisingly, took it to a point where he basically said that he thought Aaron should be there, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. He, he basically said there is definitely value in recharging your batteries and getting away, and the grind is so so strong. But I think he, he was kind of advocating what I have been saying to Tausch, which is somewhere in between uh, coming for the whole thing, like Rogers did from 2005 through 2019, and – only coming for the mandatory minicamp, if anything, which is what we are expecting this week, is a happy medium where you can spend a little more time around your teammates, even if you're not doing much on the field, and have it be valuable. And and that was basically what Brett said, which, you know, frankly, I was not expecting. And it was really interesting to hear from him. There is an amazing free app called Wisconsin On Demand where you can download it for free and listen to the entire interview of uh, Brett Favre with Wilde and Tausch, and you can have your own takeaways uh, from uh, from that interview. So, Jason, as we uh, continue to get uh, you know through this offseason and uh, as we look at things, are, are you starting to, you know, are, are you coming around to, I guess, in the NFC, a a clear anything? Like, is it just like, hey, we have no idea. We know the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Packers, and then maybe the Cowboys, or or is it starting to clear up in any way in your mind? No, and and here's one reason why. I go back to the 2019 Green Bay Packers, right? Um, They're coming off of a 6-9-1 season. They fired their coach, uh, who'd won them a Super Bowl. Uh, with four games left in the season, they hire a guy who, I mean, let's be honest about Matt LaFleur's resume. He'd been a coordinator for two years, one year as a non-play caller, and the second year there were reports that Mike Vrabel in Tennessee was planning on getting rid of him if he didn't get a head coaching job somewhere else. And so it was a hire that, while I really liked it, and he, I had picked him as, quote-unquote, my guy early on, there were real questions about it, other than, oh, he comes from the McVay tree. And there were, remember all those jokes about how if, you know, if you've ever met Sean McVay, we've got a head coaching job for you. Yep. Well, no one – I picked them to make the playoffs. I, I, I do take a little bit of a brag there. But I, I did not see them in the NFC Championship game. I did not see them one win away from going to a Super Bowl in that uh, okay, first, so first then, year. So that's kind of where I was getting. So with that being said, uh, in the NFC Championship, would you be stunned if the New Orleans Saints were there this year? Right. That, you, you and I are on the same page. There are going to be teams that we don't anticipate that are going to come, not necessarily out of nowhere, but certainly not out of so, so what do you think about the Cardinals? So, okay, so that's the Cardinals and the Saints are the two interesting teams to me in the NFC. And then maybe I'll throw the Eagles with it just because um, I'm a little bit of a Jalen Hurts homer. 
Those are the three teams okay. w- where I'm like, all right, these are these are the teams that could break through. Um, you, I mean, which of those three, or all of those three, or none of those three? Would you be stunned to see in the NFC Championship? So I will rank those, and then I will give you mine. Yep, uh, my bonus one. Uh, the Eagles are three on that list to me. I'm I'm not a believer. But if Jalen Hurts is as good as you uh, are homering, hoping he yeah, is. I just think he's then, had then the worst skill position players around him. So I just don't think we can count what we've seen from him so far. And, and I know fair. he's not like the most accurate passer in the world, but I, I like so many things about him. All right, so they're number three. All right, then the, the Cardinals are at two because I don't know what I'm supposed to think about Kyler Murray. Because I liked him for a while. Now I kind of don't like him. Um, I'm not sure what to expect or how doubtful I should be. <laughs> Jason, of him. it didn't he feel like until like that Packers game on some of those, like, all right, this guy is Russell Wilson 2.0. He's like maybe the better version of Russell Wilson, baseball player, football player, a little short, uh-huh. but so athletic, uh-huh. can make all the throws, can do everything. And then it seems like there's been all this off the field stuff since then. Yeah, and, and frankly, he did not play that well after that right. game, right? I mean, he, he just did not have a good season last year, even though statistically it looks better than it actually was. So in turn, then, that obviously leaves New Orleans as the team that I agree with you could be that team. But I want to throw another team out there that would have to go through the Packers to have that breakthrough type season. But what about Minnesota? First-year coach, new offensive system, just like the Packers had three years ago. A quarterback who, while he is not Aaron Rodgers, uh, and in my opinion, uh, is a greater stat collector than he is a playmaker. Yeah, who but... Has two, he's got two really good wide receivers. He's got a really good running back. And maybe they've retooled their defense to enough of a degree that it's good enough. I'm going to say the Vikings. I think you may even be downplaying them, as you say, really good. I mean, you know, they have elite. At least Jefferson and and Cook are elite. And Thielen's not far off. And Cousins, like you said, I mean, we think of his decision-making and all that. Like, last year, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I mean, I... I'm kind of with you there. And their defense was supposed to be the strength, right? And it, it just never – they never figured it out. So if their offense gets going, I'm totally with you. I'll, uh, I'll, put, them, uh, I'll put them in that conversation. Now, Arizona, I don't know if they deserve to be there because they were, like, seen as a favorite, right? Last year they just, uh, you know, just dropped off, right? I guess one – And they did make the playoffs. I mean, they, they, they lost the Monday night playoff game, but they did at least make the playoffs. And they played at home, so they did win their division. But, no, I, I'm – I'm I'm skeptical on that. Hey, uh, Kyle, mark this tape because and if Craig and I are right about New Orleans and or the Vikings, uh, bring it back later in the year. And if we're completely wrong, you can just delete it. Yeah, I think that's uh, what we usually do. Jason Wildy at Jason J Wildy <laughs> Wildy and Tash nine to noon. Thanks as always, Jason. All right, great to catch up with you, Craig. Take care. Be good. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Now you can catch him. Uh, Each week here, brought to us by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. When we continue, you can catch our 7 at 11. That's next, Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.